Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity, where we explore all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And my favorite moment of the last few seconds was the fact that Tony sat up with his hands up, ready to clap, because uh, we normally clap before we start talking so that we can sync up audio, because we both record separate tracks. Um, But we decided, I, I, I made the executive decision without telling him, during the seconds of silence that we have before we start talking... Uh, to not do the clap. Yeah. And then he was at a loss. He was just waiting Standing for it. There. And it never happened. Like one of Pavlov's sitting. idiot dogs. Yeah. Dude, okay. So it's it's Wednesday afternoon. Uh, I just, I've, I've been traveling all day to get to Albuquerque, New Mexico, because who doesn't want to go to Albuquerque, New Mexico on a Wednesday? Albuquerque. Yes. So uh, my flight was at 7 a.m. I live about 20 to 25 minutes away from the airport. I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning. I have never moved so Eastern fast time. in my yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, Eastern time. Yeah. So I get up, I wake up at 6, open eyes. I realize what's just happened, uh, which is I slept through my alarm or it didn't go off, one of the two. And I frantically pack. I'm in my car with all of my stuff. And, and I have to pack like a CPAP machine. I have to pack all this stuff before I can actually leave, right? Like no matter how much I pack the night before, I still have to pack in the morning. And uh, I'm in my car at 6.06, and I'm at the airport at 6.18. I get to my gate after, you know, running across the parking lot yeah. and, check it, and checking my bag and everything. I get to my gate at 6.35, just in time for them to start boarding, like, the main cabins wow. after first class. I have, like, and my body did not, like, my body was just on survival high alert mode the rest of the day. So I have a massive headache right now, and we're about to talk about complicated political topics. So this is going to be a great, great episode. Um, I'm very excited for what's coming. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Um, Love it. So one quick disclaimer before we jump in is I know many of you are looking for when we're going to talk about annual council, which is the Adventist kind of world church meetings that happen every fall. Um, 
This week is not the week we're doing it, mainly because we're recording this episode that you're listening to right this second in your ears, in your ear holes, is Nat just made everyone uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, is, yeah, did a little bit. <laughs> um, is uh, we're recording Wednesday, like it's the last day of this annual council. Day. It just ended like an like a couple hours ago. Yeah. And I want some time for us to be able to process it and really formulate some thoughts. I mean, if you want to know my immediate reactions, you can just go to my Twitter. Um, but the I, I want us to be able to really dive into some of this stuff, look into it a little bit more, and um, and be able to talk about it in a way that is reasonable, not just kind of um, saying the first thing that comes to our mind. And I think that's really important. Um, so, And the other thing is we're not going to have enough time because I'm speaking at an event right now in uh, in New Mexico. That's why I'm out here. So I won't be able to even sit down and record again before this episode releases. So, so wait, it's coming just, in a week. You're telling me you're not just visiting New Mexico for fun? Nope. I don't understand it's not this. Even, and you know what's even crazier? It's not even hot air balloon season and I'm here. Like there's no hot air balloons going up right now. I don't understand what you're saying right now. I'm just going to check out. Apparently, yeah, apparently Albuquerque is famous for like hot air balloons um, and like hot air balloon festivals and the hotel that this event is at. Um is like known for being right, right across the street from where they do a lot of those festivities. And what's funny is the event itself like uses a photo of the hot air balloon festival to, to promote it, to promote it. But like there's no hot air balloons. <laughs> so I don't know why we were being promoted that as if it's something that we'll experience when we come, but whatever. Come back um, later. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, it is what it is. So, um, hey, one cool thing that I want to talk about because my camera's on right now is um, I've started doing, I've gotten some new video gear and equipment as I'm moving into a new house. So there will be some new video content coming exclusive to patrons. So um, if you do want to support us on Patreon, go and do that. Um, Patreon.com slash absurdity podcast. I definitely do not want to miss out on some of the bonus content that's coming the patrons way now that I have the means to do it and produce it well. So very excited about that. Cool. Tony. We're five minutes, almost five minutes in, which means we're still beating our average time. Yep. Uh, and I love this running joke. Well, I, it's time that we does, talk about. I don't think it counts because you were actually making real announcements. So I don't even, Fair. I don't even it count wasn't that completely, as us just riffing. I mean, the airport thing was riffing. And it was bit. more just me venting. Yeah. Like a little bit. Um, it is what it is. By the way, um, there we go. Shout out to, shout out to Matthew Lucio. Uh, Matthew Lucio. I have this old habit. That's not how you say his name. Matthew Lucio of the Adventist History Podcast and Jose Briones of Disruptive Adventism. They're sharing a hotel with me this week while we're here, and they both elected wow. to leave the room so that I could record this episode God bless and go. Them. They're going to do something for an hour and fifteen minutes. I have no idea what. So in Albuquerque, um, thank you to them. Some on the yeah, internet. they're going to Walmart. I'm Netflix sure. or. Let's go to the hey, lobby. You'd be surprised. The Best Buy. We went to a Best Buy earlier. Did, they had professional grade cameras in there. Disney Plus isn't like, out yet. No, there's. I, yet. I, I'm not disparaging Albuquerque. I'm really not. It is a fairly. Yes, nice, you are. Really That's nice literally city. all you've done this entire time. Yeah, but not in for reals. Like, I've been to Albuquerque. Yeah, Santa you've been Fe. doing they're it in both, jest. They're yeah. both really, really nice cities. Albuquerque is actually one of the cleaner cities out there for its size. So it's. Um, it's pretty fun. It's just too flat. Any place. That's the other thing that I, just kills me when I'm going to go back to Texas is it's just really flat. And I'm used to mountains. I'm used to stuff. If I can see the yeah. sky for a long time, it freaks me out. So I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Oh, well. It is what it is. It is. I forgive is. you. Okay, we've done our little tangent. Let's you. jump in. <laughs> as, as is tradition. So, I don't know if uh, you haven't looked at the internet or powered up the internet in the last, like, six months, um, but there's uh, protests <laughs> happening in <laughs> in Hong Kong. Pretty much. Um, and, it's, and it's not even... Protest is a mild word at this point for what's happening there, yeah. because it really is... A dis- it's it's a state of civil unrest and basically kind of like a protester warfare out there in some respects. Like I'm not trying to paint it as more bloody than it is, but also well, we it's really very violent. Yeah, it's a sustained protest. I mean, yeah. you'd call it a revolution, but it's been mostly one-sided and it hasn't been to overthrow anybody per se. I mean, there has been slight, like, yeah, oh, I mean want, it has been the, over control for sure. The, the the they they're they're you know some are demanding the the resignation of the governor, but it's not like they want to institute their own government. It's over you know specific things. But yeah. yeah, it's like a sustained protest at this point. It's not even just kind of a yeah. A, it's like a it's 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 been a long thing. Yeah. So for those who don't know, we're going to catch you up to speed here. There's also a link in the show notes to a BBC article that explains the Hong Kong situation, both in 100 words and 500 words. Yeah. And really good. Um, so it, it, it gives you yeah, everything. Very you well. really are not lost if you have it. Uh-huh. Um, so basically, Hong Kong uh, used to be a British colony and it was handed back over to China in 1997. But uh, Hong Kong has kept its own judiciary and a separate legal system uh, from mainland China. So it's still mm-hmm. a Chinese occupied or, or owned territory, but it keeps its, it basically operates as its own separate entity and an independent entity for the most part. Like Texas. And those rights include, yeah, so exactly. Um, so those rights include freedom of assembly mm-hmm. and freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but those freedoms known as uh, the basic law actually expire in 2004, in 2047 um, I think it's a hundred. It's not clear what what a hundred years after Britain leaves or something like that. It's fifty years. Fifty years after they yeah nineteen ninety seven two thousand four. Sorry yeah 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 fifty years um, yeah yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, and no one knows what's going to happen after that. And so it's there's been there's kind of that in the back of everyone's mind as to what happens when yeah. these laws that grant us our freedoms run out. Um, but so in um in April a. Uh, an extradition bill was introduced where um, basically some criminals could uh, be extradited out of Hong Kong and into mainland China um, under certain circumstances. And the problem with this was um, basically opponents said that this risked exposing Hong Kongers or Hong Kong people to unfair trials and violent treatment. They also argued the bill would give China greater influence over Hong Kong and could be used to target activists and journalists, right? So anyone that China deems is a threat or is a criminal, they could just take. Right. And essentially, you would never see yeah, them again. Essentially, it's the idea that, you know, we, we, we want to be judged according to the laws that we're actually um, live under. Yeah. And then the fear is that yeah. if they extradite them, it won't just be that they'll extradite them to be tried in mainland China. It's that, and I, and I believe this is exactly what would happen, is that they would be judged according to Chinese laws, mainland Chinese laws. Yes, correct. And that's, and, and when they were not, living yeah, under exactly. Hong Kong. It's like, law. I would not have done this had I lived in, or, you know, perhaps had I lived in mainland China. And, and yeah. so. Well, 
And it's kind of this idea of like the, the fear here is that like imagine you're going to the airport, you get pulled aside by TSA, and then your family never sees you again. Yeah. Like TSA yeah. deemed you a threat or something, and they just took you and you're gone. Which um, yeah. and I want to say that that hasn't happened, but it actually has happened yeah. uh, in the U.S. Times, it yeah. has happened, and there are stories. Um, but that that's kind of the idea that this would happen on a regular basis, and it would right. happen to anyone that the Chinese government deems, you know. A criminal or a threat to well, Chinese interests. And on an even light, kind of a lighter note, per se, it's like if you went into TSA and you brought, I don't know, a pen with you and you were told that that's totally fine. You, you can go on a plane with a pen. And then they arrested you in the airport you arrived at uh, for going on a plane with a pen. Yeah. And it's like, wait, yes. they told me I was fine. I did this because they told me it was fine. Like I would not, like if I knew that I was going to disappear for, you know, if I knew that's the punishment, I wouldn't have done this. And that's the, that's the fear exactly. that they have. Um, so, or so, yeah, I so after this happens. Yeah. So, so after all this happens, um, basically hundreds of thousands of people take to the streets um, and they adopted uh, five kind of demands. Uh, the first demand was withdraw the bill, right? The, the extradition bill. Don't vote it through. Um, and uh, then it, it, it turned into, uh, there was four others. So first was that the protest would not be characterized as a riot. Um, second, there would be amnesty for any arrested protesters. Third, an independent inquiry into alleged police brutality. Fourth, the implementation of complete universal suffrage. And then the fifth demand, which was the withdrawal of the bill, and that was the main demand, uh, it, it, it's already been met. So it was withdrawn. It was it was um, pulled, like it was um, not tabled, suspended or whatever uh, in April, just a few short weeks after the protest started. Um, but uh, it was actually fully withdrawn uh, it just a, either late September or early October, and like fully withdrawn. But the protesters have adopted this kind of this motto of like five demands, not one less. So they're going to protest until all five demands are met. And there's an additional one uh, from a lot of people that they want the resignation of Carrie Lam or Lam. I don't really know how to say her name, unfortunately, um, who is the governor or mayor of, of Hong Kong. Right. So they um, so there's now six demands total um, that are that are. And, and so the protests have continued from April, and they're ongoing now. And uh, President uh, Xi Jinping from China has said um, anyone – he actually just said that this weekend, like just a couple days ago, right? We're recording this on the 16th of October. Yeah. This was just a few days ago over the weekend. He said anyone who attempts to split any region from China will perish with their bodies smashed and bones ground to powder. And China has been on this massive information control campaign. Blizzard, the gaming company behind Overwatch and Warcraft and Starcraft, they've been under fire. Hearthstone, uh, they've been under fire for uh, participating in censorship of anyone who was kind of speaking in favor of Hong Kong. Or, or uh, a Taiwan lot of companies whatever, have actually been feeling, yeah, yeah or Taiwan. I mean, the um, NBA recently had a tiff um, to the point yes, where with LeBron I mean, James. It's, it's it's. I mean, it's affected the Rockets. It's affected Adam Silver. I mean, it's gone. It's gotten a lot. I thought it was just going to be a thing, you know, like, ah, oh, the dumb Rockets guy, he sent a dumb thing. And then China completely pulled out of everything. They're like, okay, no more basketball until this guy yeah. is basically driven out. And um, so now, you know, 
Adam Silver is between a rock and a lot of money. And uh, so, you know, it's been this kind of watching how it's affected everything, you know, just it's kind of gotten everywhere. It's it's just been kind of not crazy to, to see, but it's just had this ripple effect that's just been fascinating to watch because china has economy economically it has Mm -hmm. interest in like Mm -hmm. everywhere and other people have interest in china and in hong kong and actually i do think the one reason this hasn't escalated to full military uh intervention is because uh there's there's west in western uh country interests in hong kong in hong kong and i think that they know that we wouldn't like that the west would intervene um I don't think China's prepared for that, so they're trying to kind of squash this as much as they can. And a few things have happened since then. So this isn't like, I mean, you can go look up photos. People are, uh, the crowds are massive. Yeah. And they've been massive. They've stayed massive for six months. It is not like an event. It, this is like life now. Yeah. Um, we're talking, um, we're talking, I, there are armies of, it, 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 go ahead, it, you're fine. It's very reminiscent of if you've studied French history at all, um, you know, the, the barricades, you know, of the barricades going up and, um, just this, okay. Uh, uh, there's a famous, a famous quote from, I can't remember who I, I, it's one of, it was one of the 1848 guys. And, um, basically uh, during the one that they did Le Miserable on this kind of, you know, very short protest that didn't really do anything in the 1830s, but led to much bigger protests in the 1840s. Um, there was a young guy allegedly that, that came out and he had a bunch of bread and this guy asked him like, Oh, why do you have a bunch of bread? And he turns and goes, it's three days worth. These things always come in threes. And it's kind of this nonchalant, like, yeah, we're going to go, you know, have a revolution for three days. We always do it for three days. And then, you know, something happens and it's probably apocryphal, but it's kind of that mentality of this is the way we do things. This is life now. Um, yeah. Because it's not just so, it's it's not just a protest. It isn't a, an, an event. It's it's this sustained, continual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they work when they're not protesting, kind of a thing, and it, it it's it's yeah, like you said, it's become a way of life. Yeah. So to give you an idea of just how kind of serious this has gotten, to um, a couple things have happened that I want to highlight. Um, even though they're not really highlights, but just a couple things that kind of give an idea of just what this situation is. First of all, there are groups of protesters who are, they're huddled up in groups of like four or five. They have a traffic cone with them and a bottle of water and gas masks. And anytime police throw tear gas into a, um, into a crowd, these guys, like the crowd opens up and these four or five guys come out of nowhere. And they, within seconds, put a cone on the tear gas can, um, the, the canister, and they pour the water into the top of the cone. The, what this does is basically deactivates the tear gas. Yeah. Um, and this is like, it's incredibly brilliant of them and they protect them. It's like a game of Dr. Dodgeball, but with tear gas and like, instead of like the doctor going to rescue the person who's been hit by a ball, these guys are running, huddling, protecting each other. The crowd is protecting them as they go and, and save everyone by, by, yeah, by deactivating these. I saw one where he picked uh, these it up tear and, gas canisters, and, and put it in like n- liquid nitrogen or something like that, turning it into a solid. Yeah. You basically I mean, have to. Yeah, you have to cool it down. That's it. Works by getting really, really hot. Yeah. Um, 
and you have to just cool it down basically. Yeah. So that's one. Two, um, protesters, when they're getting arrested, this is wild. Imagine this. When protesters are getting arrested or beaten by police, which is a thing that keeps happening regardless of age, they are yelling their name out loud multiple times because cameras are out and people are recording so that everyone so that so that the government can't just deny that this person existed or that they, they arrested them or have them. They are yelling their name out loud um, because of facial recognition cameras and software. Uh, people are wearing masks. Those masks have been banned. Uh, people are now just chopping yeah. down the facial recognition towers while wearing masks. Well, you'll, you'll so, see a bunch like, of lasers. What they do is um, it, the, 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 the recognition cameras can't work with based on, la- I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm with the lasers. At all, yeah. But they'll shoot lasers into it and then just cut it straight down. Um, because they say that masks aren't even enough. Like it can still even kind of recognize you through, you know, the, the, uh, um, like a bandana kind of a thing. And so they literally yeah. have to like shine late. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. And I remember seeing this at first thinking, no, man, insane, that's insane. Dude. And then just like watching it continue all the, the extreme tactics that they're having to use to stay alive. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So one of the, this whole thing is insane uh, to me and it's crazy because I feel like this is such a big deal and I can't do anything about it. Like, I don't know what to do about yeah. it. I mean, I could go yeah. to a rally here. here, but I don't know what that does. Cause there's been rallies in different countries. It, it feels I feel like there's nothing I can really do yeah. other than share and repost. And I know that that's kind of different than um, what we had said last week of the harmless torture, right, but yeah. kind of the idea of like, we need to keep this in the public space. And honestly, like there's protests happening in Ethiopia right now. In fact, I just watched a video where the military military members and soldiers are protecting protesters from the police. Yeah. Um, there's like a mob of soldiers in between the police and the protesters protecting the protesters. Like there's protests everywhere. And we need to be uh, with China being in such a kind of information control thing. Like it is That's important to keep this it, visible. It does kind of feel like any action you would take right now would almost not not be helpful it almost cause more problems other than just repeating what they're saying you know and just saying hey you know they're they're doing this we support free speech and and well and that's and that's it just feels like if we I think if that's we were, the you point. know like like uh the, the the rocket ceo you know saying anything at this point all it's going to do is it's just cause them more harm because it's it's causing more embarrassment for mainland china which losing face is huge uh, for that culture, America, we kind of care about it a little bit, but you know, you can, I, I, you know, you can have a scandal like the, I won't even try saying his last name because I, Weiner, I think, uh, from uh, the governor from New York who had this crazy scandal and didn't even lose his office and then lost his office after yeah. a second one came out. Like you can have crazy scandals come out and then, you know, Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani is still in, he's had public affairs. He's gone out with his mistress you know, to, to public parades in New York. So you can have, you know, these scandals in America and kind of get away with it. We're not as interested in losing face. Um, but in mainland China, I mean, that's a big deal. So, you know, when, when someone in a public space says something, it almost feels like it, it's hurting more the people on the ground because they're like, we need to just, you know, get this done now and they're going to remove more and more safety tactics so it's almost just feels like the best thing you can do is just to say hey this is happening support them you know go like you know hopefully they can get it done yeah. 
But, yeah. but it's like if, if you try to take yeah, a stand, no, no, it's I just agree. gonna make things worse. Well, I think that's kind of the, the big thing too, is and and this is something that I, I think white people tend to struggle to understand in an era of kind of in a big push for social justice yeah. is we feel like we have to do something. And the biggest thing we can do is get out of the freaking way yeah, and give the platform and the voice to people who, who need it and, and let them do their, their work. Like the yeah. other thing of this is these support are Hong the, Kongers who are the, fighting. They're fighting for their, for their city. Yeah. Like they're fighting for their yeah. home. That's what they're doing. Um, and I like, I, there's nothing I can do. And for me to do something is to actively take agency away from someone else who could be doing more than me. Yeah. And like, I'm just a dude in Chattanooga, Tennessee, or I guess now Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, like there's, there's not much for me to do yeah. other than stay engaged in the conversation, keep watching what's happening and, and, and keeping visible what I can keep visible. And, and with that like being, that's, yeah, that, with that being said, I don't even feel like I have enough information to really get involved, you know? I, exactly. I don't That's know enough about too. the yeah. mainland Chinese politics or mainland Chinese culture, Hong Kong politics, Hong Kong culture. I know what like a little bit because I've studied history and I understand uh, uh, the history behind Hong Kong. But I really do, I don't feel like I know enough to to really be to really have yeah confidence, shall we say, no, in I, my ability yeah. to say something. So yeah, it, it it just it definitely feels like man. I think that there's you know I I always want to support free speech. You know, I, I, I don't, cause that's the thing is I want to be able to say, oh, well, you know, I can, you know, hundred percent support this, but then it could be, oh, there's a totally a better way of doing it. You know, it could be that they made a mistake. Like there was a due process that they just didn't want to do cause it wasn't taking fast enough. I don't know. I don't know enough. Um, yeah. so that's, that's the whole point of like, well, it feels like anything you do on this side would just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make anything work, but there's still that motivation of, I want to get involved. You know, how can I help? That still rings with you because it is so different for us here. And, and so here's, here's, so a few weeks ago on Reddit, I saw this picture and I've been trying to find it all day and I couldn't find it, but if I do find it, it'll be in the show notes. So if it's not in the show notes, it means I couldn't find it um, because I can't find the articles about it. But basically there was one night where protesters were going home and they were using the subway. And or they they were using the metro station and uh, not the band the metro station they were using the actual metro and um, shake 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 basically shake police it. I hate you um so I mean I did this I I did this to myself um so what happened was police heard that they police realized that these people were going to go home use it by this route and so they shut down the metro station closed it down completely and basically locked protesters inside so that the riot police could come through and arrest all of them so here this is the craziest thing and i need to find these images basically what happened was a bunch of elderly people formed a blockade in front of the station yeah, that delayed blockade. the police just long enough for protesters to basically lift the cages that had shut on them and crawl out like they're escaping from zombies. Like the pictures are, are like haunting um, to see of the, like the protesters just trying to is crawling out desperately from, uh, from this, this cage door. And, um, and what's been so cool to me is to see how the elderly people have jumped in on this. Yeah. Like fully. And there, there is an article that, that is linked from the guardian but there's a quote from an 82-year-old man. He said, he said, all, and this isn't from that night. This is in general. 
He said, all we need to do is buy them a few minutes so the youngsters can get away. Um, said Wong, 82, who has been placing himself between the protesters and the police over the last several months. We tell the police, please don't beat them up. Let them go. Maybe you could advance a little slower, right? So they're actively engaged in this. And it's insane. Like, okay, so um, gathered in a metro station, they put on bright yellow vests and fumbled with goggles and gas masks. They listened attentively as an organizer went over tactics for slowing the police down and letting protesters escape. Distract the police officers by asking for change, to borrow their phone, or even by pretending to faint. Um, these groups are, this group is known as the Guardians. Um, can you imagine? I, I, I know I'm pivoting here, and I'm not trying to just make this about the church, but can you imagine if the older generation in any denomination had this same kind of similar empowering attitude of like, um, we're going to do everything yeah. we can to remove everything that blocks someone from their goal, from their purpose, from their mission. Our mission is to make sure they accomplish their mission. That's incredible. Like, yep. It is insane. They've been doing this for months. These are 80 year old. They're getting guardians instead of gatekeepers. Elderly people are getting beat. Yes. They're guardians instead of gatekeepers. And what's crazy about that is in Chinese culture and in most Asian culture, you know, elders are super respected, super respected. Mm -hmm. It's not at all like the West. We don't, you know, they don't stick them into, into homes. They don't like forget about them. It's not like a role. You're like, this is a fount of, you know, knowledge and respect. And you, any elder, any elder, any older person is just crazy, which, you know, it, it's amazing to me how the elders who have this incredible power and and ability to make a difference are using it and and not abusing it they are they've taken that stand you know they're 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 not gatekeepers they're guardians and no. and they're doing things within their power sacrifice like, yeah 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 and they're saying whatever they're using we can what do authority to help them. what respect whatever i can't you know tear this down i can't go into this building i can't do this but i will do what i can that's it really is incredible and it's not like they necessarily What's interesting to me, I've read some reports, they don't necessarily even agree with the protests. But they want to make no, sure... No, some of them don't, yeah. ...that they keep... You know what I mean? The young that people are safe. me. Because... They understand the future. It, it, like, this is... They understand what the future is, 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 is banking on. They are banking on these youngsters growing up. To me, it was like... And me, it, 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 it was like when the Hells Angels and... The, the LGBTQ plus community came together to protest the Westboro Baptist church and form human chains. You know what I mean? Around the, on the military families like that. It's that level of like, are you kidding? You know, this is, this is wild, yeah. but it, it, it. And then um, as a preview to our thoughts on annual council, we just listened to a week of people basically doing everything to convince young adults to leave the church. Like the, it, 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 or speak it, for them. This kind of attitude, like it gives me, it gives me absolute chills. Um, in, in right now, when I'm in a denomination that whose leadership seems to want to keep young adults and women and um, a lot of different kind of cultural and, and, and social groups out of ministry and out of positions of power and authority and empowerment, um, I'm watching these elderly people quite literally risk their lives 
Um, there are stories, you can look it up. Just this past weekend, there's a video that's gone viral of an elderly man getting beat up in a hospital by police. Um, there are videos in subway stations of elderly people getting beat up for for protecting and guarding yep. Yep. the younger protesters. Um, they are literally risking their lives for this. And it, it is it just compounds my frustration. And I guarantee you that point is gonna come up in a week when we talk about um yeah. when we talk about annual council. Uh-huh. But see, mm-hmm. Then and 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 they're not so speaking then we pivot. for the young people. They're letting the young no, people no, no, speak. No. They're not saying, "Oh, I'm doing this." You know, let here, here, give me the mic, and I'll talk for you. They're like, "No, you take the mic, and I will, I will sit here and make sure that everything is done so that you get your fair moment and chance to speak." At, at, mm-hmm. Great to see. Uh, it is. It you is. love to see it. Yeah. Great to see. Great to see it somewhere. Um, then, okay, so pivoting kind of away from the church again. Um, this is where you and I might get in some hot water. But I want to I look at this situation, and then I want to look at, uh, you know, I want to look at this situation, and I want to look at the U.S. Because over the last several years, especially since uh, kind of Trump took office and as he was, pro- and as he was um campaigning but also before that with black lives matter uh with colin kaepernick with with you know there's there's all these different protests happening um i want to compare the situations not because i think the government is being tyrannical or anything um i'm not doing this from a political point of view of you know the government's right the government's wrong um but more along the lines of the kind of severity of the situation and where where society currently is at um and one of the things that I've noticed with protesting in America, right, is protesting here, when it comes to all the rallies that exist, all the marches that I've seen, um, and, and I want, I, I guess I need to disclaimer this because I'm not trying to, 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 to bury myself in a hole or dig myself into a hole. Um, but if you're not a part of the specific group that is, that is being protested for, right? So black lives matter for, um, you know, if you're not a one, if you're not a black person at those protests, um, it, it almost 1%. feels, and, and honestly so, for some black people yeah. that I've met, it is this way. Um, protesting feels more like it's a side, like a hobby in, or like an op in like an afternoon event or activity option in America more so than some sort of like uh, more so than a need or a requirement. Right. So like in Hong Kong, a lot of these youngsters, a lot of, a lot of the people protesting, they feel like they have no choice. Like this is it for them. This is them standing. This is them making their stand against a government. They, they, they are not supportive of this is them doing everything in their power and they're not going to give up. I guarantee you people have lost their jobs over this. People have disappeared. People have lost their lives. People, protesters have been shot. Um, People are giving their all to that because they see the severity of the situation and they won't take any more. And in America, what we have in, in all of these different marches is like, this is, this is, this is what's happened, right? I, I like, this has actually happened where someone has asked me or I've, I, you know, people have asked and they've been like, Hey, so what are you doing this afternoon? I'm probably going to, you know, go to the protest, come home, study. Um, or, you know, Oh, I heard there's a rally in town. You know, I'm going to go to the mall. Then I'll stop by the protest, come back march for a bit, whatever, then come home. Like it literally is approached as this optional kind of fun activity almost um, by a lot of people. And please understand, I'm not saying everyone, 
but this is like this is the way that even I have felt about these protests, and and like I haven't shown up to, I haven't done gone to a single march. Um, granted, I always find out about them too late. <laughs> like I find out about them be, because someone's currently yeah, at the, the march yeah. and I missed it yeah. somehow. Um, but the like this is what I keep seeing is this kind of optional feeling for these marches and protests. And I'm not saying that the people marching in them see it as optional. Some very very many don't. Uh, very many see it as the only course of action they know to take in a time where they feel under duress and under oppression from whatever system or whatever thing that they are protesting. And I fully understand that and embrace that and support that. Um, but this feels very much like it is – it. basically it's this. We have the privilege of optional protest. That's what we have. We have the privilege of feeling – just feeling like we don't want to protest. I don't feel like it today. Right? I don't feel like it this week. I don't have to participate because I feel like everything's going to be fine and go back to normal the next day. And it does. A march happens, the next day no one's talking about it. Once everyone's Instagram stories you know, cycle through 24 hours, no one's talking about the march that just happened. And yet here we are talking about protests that have been going on for six months in another country, and it's been in the news cycle every day through that time period, basically, at least every week. Um, but these protests, the second the march is over, we don't talk about it anymore unless something – unless somebody died, unless there was some big racist chant that happened or – you know what I mean? Like unless there was some some kind of bigger thing yeah. that happened outside of the march yeah. itself. Um, yeah. They don't really disrupt anything here. They don't. Um, and anytime that they do, we get mad at the protesters. Like it's either it's either a convenience here or an inconvenience, but it's not seen as a necessity. Um, by anyone, uh, it seems not. I mean, anyone was harsh, but by a lot of people, and I really, I really do see it as a problem that we have this feeling like it's just an optional protest. Like we have this, and I don't know if it's a result of us being brainwashed, like, and I, and I don't mean like you know chemtrails or whatever. Um, what I mean is like this idea that you, we grew up never hearing anything bad about America. You always thought America was better than everyone else. Amer- this would never happen in America again. We would never go the way of you know Nazi Germany. We would never go the way yeah. of these yeah. dictatorships. We would never go the way of these things. And so we, we have this kind of maybe naive belief that it's all going to just work out and I don't need to do anything because America is great and it will always be great and it will always be better than all of that. And we'll, we would never let that happen. Um, and it's that exact attitude that is exactly what allows it to happen. What, um, what's his name? Uh, P- Putin undid russia's democracy in like four years three years something like that um it only took him four years to dismantle the entire democracy and create a system where he keeps being nominated or elected president so this is a we feel like it's an optional protest and it and that in itself might be a symptom of in my opinion what i guess what i would call american elitism or american exceptionalism i don't know but um, yeah, I really kind of struggle with how to reconcile this because at the same time, I don't see a lot of these situations necessarily as dire as Hong Kong. So I'm, I, I you know, even myself, I'm trying to process this and, and figure this out. So, um, I, 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 mean, would, I don't know what your thoughts are on literally anything I've just said. I would agree with a lot of that. I would say there are some exceptional differences, um, exceptional differences. There are some very big exceptions and I, and I'll just to mention those, which is, uh, Charlottesville and and the Black Lives Matter movement as a whole. I think that's been going on for a while. I remember um, when <coughs> Michael uh, uh, the the situation in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, wow, how sad is that? I can't oh, even remember his name. Darn it! 
Um, the one thing you don't put in the notes. I know. Is I know. Nice. But but I remember you know the situation in Ferguson, and I remember going and and St. Michael Brown, and I remember saying, you know, we need, we need to do something. I mean, here's this this kid, and he was a kid. You know, it was one of those first times where I was in college, and this kid was much younger than me. And it was one of the kind of first times where it wasn't like my age, or like it was much. He was much younger than me, and. I thought this just isn't fair. We need to do something like this is, this is one of those typical towns that we need, you know, we need to do something. And unfortunately I didn't have the money time or, or ability really to go. And, and, and even saying that comes from a place of privilege. So I would agree with that because there are people that they didn't have the money time or, or ability really to go. Um, and they went, but, um, yeah. So I, I remember that moment. Um, and and protesting here doesn't feel like it. it, But even that doesn't feel like it's a it's a sacrifice. Yeah, even that even that protest didn't. Because here's the thing, and this is the reality: had I gone or not gone, it would not have affected my life in a in a pragmatic way. It would have affected me ideologically, and it has the fact that I wasn't able to go. I I I was very close to going to just getting in a car with somebody's and and going. Um, and the fact that I didn't is still something that I don't know if I regret it necessarily, but I, I wish that I had, I can say that. Um, but it didn't like, had I gone, all it would have done was mean that I get a lower grade in some of my classes because I wasn't able to attend class or get assignments done. That's all it meant. That's all it meant. That's all that yeah. it meant. And it, it's insane to me the, the, how little. So, but anyway, the Black Lives Matter movement, I think, has been going on for a while. It has cost a lot of people their lives. There are a lot of questions there. Yes, 100% agree. Um, 100% agree. You know, every major member, every major leader, I believe, from the original one has either died under mysterious circumstances um, or, and has definitely received death threats, but it has had weird things happen to them. So that's a big deal. I'd say the Dakota pipeline of uh, the Dakota access pipeline. That's a big one. That's been going on for a while. Um, that I, again, was the only reason I didn't get involved in that one was because this is an indigenous, uh, uh movement. And I wanted to give them the microphone. Like you were talking about, you know, get out of the way. I did not want to get in the way at all, but I thought it was awesome. I supported them. I told indigenous friends of mine from Arizona, different things like, Hey, you know, and, and ironically they were like, Oh, well that's, you know, that's Dakota. That's we're Navajo. But, but even still it was like, you know, Hey, I support you, but this is your, your mic. I'm with you. I'm down, you know? Uh, but so yeah. that was one that's been, has been going on for a yeah. while and still, and then I would say recently, well, let, let me, let me interject yeah. real quick. Let me interject real quick. Cause yeah. I, I, I do want to make this point. Um, because I was introducing this and we only have loose notes that when we talk about this, right. so I do want to make the point in, in kind of my defense that I was not, and I'm not minimizing any of what you're saying. And, and I think, I think who we're talking to are the people that very much view these protests as optional. And that yeah, includes us. Right, right. Right. Like that's who we're talking yeah, to here. Yeah, we're yeah, not yeah. talking to the people who see this I, and go, I don't the, have a choice. I have to do so this. There are so many things. That's not who this episode is geared right. towards. There are so many things that we could be protesting. 
And that to me, I go, those are the, those are the notable accept, exceptions where I was like, I need to go get involved in this. This is huge. I, sh- I should go get involved. But I mean, we could be protesting losing the courage. We could be protesting immigration. We could be protesting. I mean, there's so many things that we could be protesting about that I probably should be yeah. protesting about. I was going to say, and um, yet there's nothing and, that I feel yet, like I have to because it, my point. life depends exactly. on it or my And so, like I said, these were the notable exceptions that for me, I said, I need to get involved. Like I need to get involved. So the black Lives movement, the Dakota access pipeline, and and recently the TMT project, um, down in, in, in Hawaii. Uh, For those of you who don't know, basically they were going to put a giant, uh, science facility and, and telescope, um, on an area of, of land that's sacred to the Hawaiians. And they said, no, this is our land. We, you know, we don't want this here. Um, this is, and then, is more complicated than that, but essentially that was another one where I was like, we've taken so much from the Hawaiian people. If they say they don't want this, I understand that this is going to affect science, but you know, this is their right. They should get to yeah. choose. Um, yeah. But I'd say outside of kind of those really big, and those are just the ones that I kind of, you know, that came to my mind right away. Other than those exceptions, I'm a hundred percent with you. And I think we do kind of think of it as this thing. I remember being in Jerusalem and there was a Palestinian protest going on. And one of the members of our group uh, just wanted to casually stroll and kind of get involved. And I, and I literally grabbed him and said, do not go over there. Do not get involved. This is not something you can casually join. This is not casual. Mm-hmm. Bullets aren't firing, but understand this is not casual. Um, yeah. The people who joined in that protest, I'm on 900% sure, got on a list. Their faces are on, you know, are known. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's not a casual thing. But he, he kind of treated it like, oh, well, let me go over. I'll just take pictures and get involved. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. I didn't stop him. I'm like, dude, live your life. But understand, like, I grabbed him first and, and, and tried to make him as aware as I could that this is not a, this is not a, Oh, move for Uganda. Yeah. No, this is life or death. A lot of times for these people and the people involved, that's how, mm-hmm. yeah, the people involved. And that's how it's taken by the governments that they're protesting against or the, or, or, or the, you know, individual that they're protesting against or the action that they're protesting. They take it deadly serious. And I've treated a lot of them very casually. I've taken involved. I've been involved mm-hmm. in protests very casually. Um, you know, every time I go to Washington, I see people out there, and and it's funny. I've I visited at one point. I, I we went there pretty quickly, one after the other. And I remember seeing the same people protesting like three months later, and I remember thinking, "Wow, they're the, you know they've been there for a while," and then come to find out they've been there for years. Like they moved to Washington, they get support from other people to help them live, but they live there. They, they get up mm-hmm. in the morning, they drive like two hours from wherever they, they live. And then they come and protest all day. And I'm like, wow. Um, it's, it's a, it's a different world. It's make, not the yeah. same. Well, and this is, so one of the, and one of the, Okay, so I was in Charlotte when the Keith Scott shooting happened. I was pastoring Rock Hill, and I was literally on my way out of town when it happened, so I didn't know about it till about probably 10 hours after it had kind of broken as a story. And um, I remember feeling like, darn, I am not prepared at all to deal with this. Um, 
I want to go and support. I want to do something here, um, and I, I feel like I can't. My churches are not mobilized to do it. They have no plan to deal with what happens if there's a shooting and there's protests and there's prayer rallies and and uh, vigils and all this stuff. They don't know what to do. And and so one of the things I, I wanted to do was I wanted to meet with my churches and come up with plans. Like, what happens if this happens again, and how do we create a response plan for this? And I could never get them passionate enough to do it. Like, they didn't feel the same. They thought it was a good idea, but that was about it. And, um, yeah. And it was frustrating because then here's, here's the kicker. Uh, so one of the regional conference churches, which if you're not, you know, if you're not familiar with, uh, Adventism, regional conferences versus, um, and and state conferences, uh, head to episode 100 to check out kind of our information on that. But, um, basically the idea is there are conferences that black people have started, uh, that are, that run churches. And those conferences are territories that overlap with state conferences of Adventist churches as well. And, um, so regional conferences more have churches for more minorities, uh, specifically black people, whereas state conferences will have, um, white churches, they'll have Filipino churches, they'll have uh, Spanish churches, you name it, right? So um, I remember one of the regional conference churches, one of the biggest ones in Charlotte, um, was having a uh, was having basically a forum, an open forum, uh, that was kind of a Q&A. The South, the South Atlantic Conference, I believe, um, uh, off, conference officers, the president, executive secretary, ministerial, they all came out um, and um, the Carolina conference pastors, all of us were invited to this. If we so desired to go, I was about, I lived about 45 minutes to an hour from where the church was. And, um, I went, I remember going and this was early on in my time as a pastor there too. Um, I remember going, I didn't see any of my church members there, um, at first, but what really struck me was in this room full of hurting, scared, uh, and grieving black people they were scared. They were, there's some, there was a couple of people that were crying. There was a whole open mic time for people to come up and talk as the conference officers sat at the front and listened. And our ministerial director, um, uh, Haskell Williams at the time, I think he's still, I'm, he still is, but given the evergreen nature of podcasting at the time that that happened, Haskell Williams, um, was there and he was sitting on that panel as well. Uh, as uh, one of the representatives from the Carolina conference. So there's this kind of uh, the table is like four black people, Haskell, this like middle-aged white guy. And then, um, and uh, then another, like two more black people. Right. So that's this panel. And then I look around our, our conference vice president, Gary Moyer and his wife are there. And that's it. I was the only pastor that was there from the Carolina conference. And I'm not trying to disparage other pastors in the Carolina conference. Many of them may not have even known about it. Pastors are pretty bad at checking email. They may never have realized it. And many live far away. I'm not expecting the whole world to come out. Um, But it bothered me that I was the only white person there. Like it seemed like to the people I was in the room with, there was no other choice but to be here. They had nowhere else to go. And for me, I could have skipped it and I'd, and nothing would have mattered. Um, and I listened to these people pour out their hearts. And um, one of my church members actually was there and she came up to me. I didn't see her, but she came up to me and she said, pastor, I want you to know, I saw you. I heard what you said. Cause I went up and shared something over the mic as well. I forget exactly what I said. Um, and she said, pastor, that meant so much to me. Thank you to know that you support us and to know that you care about us. Like that means the world, like just being present made it made that much yeah. of an impact yeah. and, um, and speaking up and, and that's kind of the, 
that's what bothers me about this is it's so optional. And, and when I think about where the church is and where pastors are, like we should be, our churches should be coming up with plans of what to do. Like it doesn't, you don't even need to be out actually protesting. You could be out with a table and have water. Audience. You could have bottles of water yeah. that you're just handing out to, to people. You don't actually have to participate in a protest in order to support and, and protect. And, and you could be handing out water at vigils. You could be doing literally anything. How? And we're not. Why, you know, the question that always happens whenever this, these kinds of things come up is, you know, where's the church? Where are we? Why, why are we not on the forefront? Um, and I, and, and we mean, and I, and I think we mean that institutionally because the other side of that is. Institutionally, but the also church is there. Locally, yeah. Like church members yeah. are there. Your Adventists, your members are there. How, how amazing would it be if Adventists had the reputation of whenever there's an accident, whenever, and to a degree we do have this in certain parts of the country. So for instance, in Florida, people know if there's a hurricane, go to an Adventist church. A lot of Adventist churches are actually yes. uh, uh, safety shelters or centers or something like that. Um, it's, a, you know, which is great, but how amazing would it be if we as a whole, if there's a disaster, if there's a problem, if there's someone who's in need, if there's injustice, Oh, you know, they're the Adventists. Oh, there they are. You know? Yeah. Oh, military families well, dying and, and, and being protested. Oh, they're the Adventists. Oh, you know, immigrants are being, oh, they're the Adventists. Oh, you know, uh, uh, jails and, that. you know, what if we were the ones who had that reputation? And I'm not saying that every church does not. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, Adra just at... Um Adra at annual council just said they're not leaving the Bahamas until they've helped 70,000 people. Yeah. Right. Like we have organizations that are doing great in, in areas of distress and, and pain and suffering. Um, but we could do better on the on feet on the ground, boots on the ground from the local efforts to support people. And if you don't think we should be political, there's nothing political about protecting people, about helping people, about um, serving people, about actually advocating for people and um, valuing the people that Jesus values. Like, I, I don't see anything political about that. And if you are so caught up in not wanting to come across political that you're willing to let people suffer just so you don't, so that you aren't seen as being political, I, like, <laughs> that just, that, that mindset baffles me. And yet I know that I've, I've been someone who's had it for many years. And so that just really frustrates me. And so one of the things, and I, and I think this is kind of a, a good segue into this, is um, what do we do, right? Um, what, what kind of principles do we, do we learn from this or do we, do we come out of this with? Yeah. Um, and I think the first is, for anyone whom protesting is an option, for whom you know, protesting is an option, the first thought that I have is, if it's an option for you, listen, seek out actively and listen to those who it's not yeah. uh, an option yeah. for. Like actually listen to the people that are hurting. Um, you know, I don't, if they don't feel like it's optional, if they feel like they have to be a part of this, it's in their being, it's the core of who they are. They have to stand up for their community, for their own life, for their own freedom, because that's black lives matter is black people feeling like they are not free. Like they are, like they are being oppressed because they are. And if we don't hear them and we just want to shout all lives matter, or we say, no, you're making a big deal out of nothing. You're wrong for feeling this way because I see it differently. Um, like that, it's, it is wild. Um, and I, it's not that black lives matter, meaning all lives don't matter. It's just the idea of reminding them that black lives matter too. And 
um, I, I love this. It's, it's not our job to tell people to stop whining. It's our job to actually listen yeah. and, and yeah. support and encourage. Yeah. And cause it, it, um, it's a, it's a radical thing to protest. You have to do a lot to protest. It's not just, it isn't something you can do casually. It is something that should be taken with, with more gravitas. And so I, you know, there, you, you do it for a reason. So if someone's doing it, they, it might be a dumb reason in your personal, you know, according to you, it might be dumb, but they, they believe in it. You have to believe in something yep. to protest something else. And so ask them well, why me, it's going and, on. And, and let me be clear. Um, if, if Trump supporters, if I'm of which I am not a part of, um, if, if people on the other side of the aisle from me are protesting, I need to listen to them too. Like the people that I actively disagree with, I need to listen to. And it's even if I don't end up agreeing with them, I need to respect yeah. their humanity. Okay. So why? Yeah. And I, the right to protest. Li- listen to them because they have fears and things too. Even if you disagree, even if you think that it's dumb, listen to what they're saying. Because yes, it, on both sides, there's a deeper, it's bigger than it's bigger than just what's on the surface. There's something there and find out what that something is. Now you can disagree with it still. Uh, doesn't mean you have to fall in line. It just means listen. Yeah. I think uh, Caleb Isley, uh, who's been on this podcast several times a few months ago, he put on not even a few months ago, like a month ago, he put on Facebook uh, a quote that it's not even a quote. I think he made this up. He just wrote this. Um, and I love quoted himself because this exact, this, Yes, this is this exemplifies um, this exemplifies this point perfectly. He said, "If a younger person tells you they're feeling old, like oh, I'm too old for this, or you know, I just feel so old right now, uh, don't respond with wait until you're my age. They're telling you life is weighing on them. Ask Absolutely. about it. That's Absolutely. the principle." Don't dismiss someone else's experience because you may have had it harder or you think you had it harder or, oh, don't dismiss it because you, they don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. Instead, just ask them why they feel the way they do and listen to them. Don't ask, don't ask, you know, don't ask about it in order to disprove it. I remember Garrison, um, Garrison Hayes came on this podcast, uh, early on, like episode 17. And I asked him at one point. I don't remember if this was in the episode or before the episode, but I asked him to share a story of when he was, um, where, where he was kind of a, 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 where he had encountered white supremacy in his life. And he told me, he said, um, I'm not used to this question. Like I'm not, I'm not normally comfortable answering this question because I'm used to it being asked as a way to, um, to disprove my experience as a way to uh, dismiss it. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing, like no one's listening. And so when people are finally asked, they're now skeptical because they don't know that you'll actually, they don't trust yeah. that you'll listen. Oh, okay. Well, where have um, you seen it? And, yeah. Like prove to me where you've actually. Yeah. And I was asking it because I wanted to hear show an example. Pain. Yeah. Yeah. Show me your oppression and show me your pain. That when there's like videos online, like you can just, you can watch it play out in real time now, Here, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think then the, the next step of that too is ask what you can do. What can yeah. I do to help you? What yeah. can I do to help you feel supported in this? Um, to, can I donate some money to a cause? Can I, you know, buy a case of water for you and your friends as you go up? Pro- I don't, I don't know what. Like, what can I do actively as a pastor? It meant that I needed to start preaching on things that that 
uh, were important social justice related yeah. uh, and, and justice related, yeah. not even just social justice, but justice. Absolutely. Um, and uh, not just God is a God of love and mercy and, and he'll forgive you of all your sins and everything, but also God cares about seeing justice and fairness happen. He cares about advocating for the weak and the oppressed and the people who are downtrodden. Um, that is an important message too. And so it did change the way that I preach. It changed the way that I podcast. It, it, it grew a podcast out of it. Um, and so that's so huge um, for me is, is asking what you can do and, and identifying ways that you can actually make a difference. Um, that, that, that's huge. I don't know, Tony, if you have anything to add there, but for me, that one was big and it's been transformative for me. I think the other important reason why you ask what you can do is, um, and we talked about this before and I've, I mean, I, this was a, this was a question in a, in a statement, a concept that we studied even in my missions class, which is uninformed enthusiasm, uh, often does more harm than good. Um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions and, and, you know, obviously that's a, it's an anachronistic quote and it's a, even a, 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 not the actual quote itself, but it's, it's a great phrase. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I can have the best of intentions, but if my actions are uninformed, a lot of times all I'm going to do, if I don't know the context of a situation and I just run into it swinging haymakers I might end up hitting the people that need to be protected, even if my goal is to help them. And so a lot of times when you ask, not just like so that you get involved, but also so that where can I help? <laughs> you know, and, and yes, where would I be the most value here? Yeah. Yeah. Is it standing? Is it handing water? Is it standing in the back? Is it taking something up front? You know, I, you know, interesting. Well, I've, I've had, some discussions and I won't cause they were personal. So I won't say, but I've had discussions on if the civil rights movement, uh, which was, and, and, and obviously it was led primarily, well, almost exclusively by, uh, uh, African-American individuals, black, black Americans. But we talked about whether or not it needed to be that way. If that was the most effective, and it wasn't necessarily like it, it was very you know it was more it was more kicking around theories and ideas it wasn't you know heated or charged but it was kind of that idea of you know i i kind of fall under the 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 personal belief that it really needed to be completely african american um mm mm-hmm. Now you can argue whether it had or whatever, but it needed to be black Americans standing up for themselves and taking, taking back the power. Um, yeah. And that's, and that was well, and taking power, taking power, <laughs> getting yeah. power. Um, yeah. They needed to see that it was about representation. And, and I think that there were yeah. enough uh, white Americans that it, 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 they did feel supported. Um, but I think it also, it needed to be, you know, the, the, the slave movement had to be the, the, the emancipation. It had to be led by white people just because black people didn't have a voice. They literally couldn't stand up and speak for themselves. You only had Harriet Tubman's and Frederick Douglass. You, you had a very small amount yeah. that could, you had millions that were enslaved and couldn't speak. So it had to be led by white people. Um, but now you, you had to yeah. have the other. And so, but think about, you know, this, you know, 
there, there, there were people that aren't necessarily talked about that were white, you know, white ministers that stood up and helped and, and supported and things like that. And I think it's important because if they had just grabbed the mic out of Martin Luther King Jr.'s hands and just been like, yeah, and let me tell you like that, it wouldn't have been effective. It wouldn't have been, I believe yeah. it wouldn't have been as long-term effective. It might have mm-hmm. gotten the bill passed more, which ironically, again, needed to be passed by, you know, Kennedy. Um, and then, and then later on Nixon, but you know, I really do think that it, it was important. So I know where you're going to be more effective. All it is to say, and yep. I'm sure that that's where we're going to get letters um, but, or emails or, or, or. Well, I messages, remember, but, but I, I do remember. Just be effective. Well, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. You remember? Yeah, I I do remember last last election cycle there was a there was a Bernie Sanders rally where two women kind of went up and usurped the mic from him, and instead of having them and and I don't remember what they were talking about, um, and it, it didn't go over well with the crowd. I remember that, um, but basically they were um, Bernie Sanders didn't have security come and bring them off stage. He sat there, he stood there next to them and let them finish, basically. Like, he let them do their thing, regardless of what they were saying. Like, he just, he let it happen. And that's the idea of, like, this idea of not just let whatever happen without, you know, without any sort of filter or boundaries um, or standards, but this idea of, like, someone is hurting enough that they need to speak up, they want to be heard. Hear that, listen, hear them out. Don't, uh, don't actively remove someone's platform from them and agency from them. Um, and even if you want to argue that the protesters, whatever they were protesting that day, did it to is him, wrong or, yeah. um, is wrong. That's fine. I, I, I can understand that argument. It goes both ways for sure. Uh, but there, it also mean it, there's also something to say that there were two individuals on that stage that were in a lot of pain. And then there was Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders will have other mics. They may not. Yeah. So I, yeah, the last thing I would say is, uh, here is. Uh, don't make someone else's pain about you. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. One of the big things that at annual, yeah. Um, I just watched this happen at annual council, another preview for what's happening, but uh, there was a controversial vote a recommendation uh, that was voted yesterday to reprimand and warn uh, certain entities within Adventism that had ordained women as pastors or not ordained people at all um, out of compliance with Adventist policy which even that point is arguable. So controversial thing. There's been this pattern year after year as this women's ordination conversation has continued in Adventism uh, where Ted Wilson, our GC, our general conference, or world church president, every time he introduces this, this, the, you know, the next vote, the next controversial vote on the topic, every single time he always opens with this hasn't been an, I want you to know this hasn't been an easy situation for me. It's been very difficult. I would much rather be talking about mission and strategy and, and evangelism and the gospel, but I'm here dealing with this and I don't want to chair or preside over things like this. And it's ridiculous. And like he, and he makes it. And, and like the only thing that, that fills me with is kind of like this internal rage of like, Oh no, I'm so sorry that this entire, a group of, of called people in ministry and in your church, uh, feeling oppressed by the denomination and by the institution have inconvenienced you so much and made your job so hard. Like it just, it, like it makes me want to play the world's smallest violin for this dude. Like it angers me that he's sitting there and taking what is a very serious matter of employment and equal opportunity and calling in God and God's right to call people as he will. Um, he's taking that and then making it about himself and how hard it's been for him as a way to kind of, um, as a way to, 
hopefully what i don't know uh the um de-escalate some of the uh, the blowback that he's going to get for it because he didn't just do this with ease I, I i like i just don't buy that and that's the that's that's what we do when we just dismiss someone else we say oh i don't want to do this you know i don't think this is true for me i don't you know whatever it's not about you that's the point if if the protest is optional for you then it's not about you um i saw this a lot with, and, and, with the and, black lives movement I saw this a lot with the Black Lives Movement, um, and that's this is the All Lives Matter, which yes, I, that's exactly I, what I it is. I agree with the statement "All Lives Matter," but understand, people used that phrase to reduce, diminish, and dismiss the pain that Black Americans feel or Black people feel in this country. By saying all lives matter, even if that's a true statement, what you're saying is your pain isn't important and I don't care. That's what you're saying. And and yep. you're making it about you. A lot of people didn't realize that. I have family members who were just like, you know, every life matters. And I go, yes, but <laughs> that's not what's happening here. Every life does matter. And we need to highlight the fact that Every life is not being, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. And But you saw this a lot where people took a situation and they made it about them. Again, people will take assault rifle situation and they will, instead of seeing the pain, politicians on both sides do this all the time, right? They'll see the pain of the family and they'll, but even, even there are people who make even that political where they will see the amount, the ridiculous amount of shootings that go on in this country because we have very little legislation that restricts firearms and ammunition. And they will reduce it to, well, I don't want to give up my guns. It's not about you. It affects you tangentially. Your child did not die. You're, Whether or not you vote yeah, it's the like, legislation to look at their pain and then say, well, I don't want my guns taken away. The, do you not understand? It is, it is callous to the point yeah. that I don't understand it. Now. Yeah, I don't, I don't get whether it either. Or and, not, and I'm not whether for not that just, legislation just outright in, taking guns. Yeah. Whether or not that legislation yeah. passes, that's a different story because that, First of all, it'll take, it's not going to pass in six months. Okay. Let's be real. We all know how the government works. It'll take two years at best. However, <laughs> that's the time to bring it up. Not on Twitter seven days later. Well, I think, I think too, the idea of like your, your, your not privilege, because it is currently a second amendment, right? Um, but like the, the convenient, your right to own guns is more important than someone else's child's right to live. And as far as the hierarchy of rights go, I would put living above owning an item. I'll even say the pain of you losing your gun. Don't make, is don't make it than, about the pain of you losing your gun. Cause you might be attached to it and that's fine. And they're not taking away. You know, I, I, I won't get it because that is getting into the politics. Yeah, of it. I'm not doing that. Yeah, we, we tend to. I'm sorry. The point yeah. is, don't make it about that. 
Don't make it about that pain. Don't make it about your situation. Someone is in pain. Someone has a situation. You need to back away and say, this is their, don't make it about you. You're not the victim in this situation. You're not the victim. You can try to be, you can pretend to be, you're not the victim. They have pain. Allow them to feel that pain. And this is in general, not just about guns. No, 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 so, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That, um, that, in general, that, yeah. This so. is in general. This is about all things. This is about. And anyone, if you're someone depression, yeah, you, I see this a ton with depression yeah. as well, mental illness. You know, oh well, I sometimes feel it's just not. It's not about you. Stop yeah. making the pain about you. And my only plea here is, if you are someone who's super attached to guns, fine. Go for it. But if you, if you heard the last 10 minutes of this and thought like, oh, they, it was great until they did that. Okay, Dis- discount the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Don't miss the forest for the trees here. Right, right. Um, can, I'm going to edit that yeah, part out. Don't miss the forest but, for the but trees. But understand, again, the, the point um, is, it's not about that. It's about, don't make this about yourself. There's a time and a place yeah. for certain things. Do not take the pain and make yourself out to be the victim. That's That's... It happens more often than we think. So much more often than we think. And that's yeah. the point. People are doing this protest for a reason. Yep. Listen to their pain. Don't make it about you. And ask what you can do to help. That's how you get that's how you get involved. Couldn't agree more. Yep. So Hey, I think that's a good way place to wrap up. Thank you guys so much for listening, uh, for being a part of this journey with us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all that, and all our contact info. And all the relevant links for this episode are in the show notes. Um, so just look up the episode description. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.